GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. Is Parliament intimidating for new MPs? We speak to Government Minister Nigel Feetham and Opposition Shadow Minister Atrish Sanchez ahead of the start of Parliament on Wednesday afternoon. But first, Roy Cipollina says the players gave everything they had in the UEFA campaign, but injuries had a significant impact on a small squad. The Gibraltar captain also questioned if some fans have unrealistic expectations. The thoughts of GBC sports reporter Robin Shepherd Capurro. I think I speak for most Gibraltar fans here. We were just hoping for an improvement on Saturday. I think we still we were so all sort of licking licking the wounds now from from Saturday's defeat to to France, and we just hoped for uh, for a better display. And I think it, it, in some ways we got that. Although <clears throat> on balance, you could argue that the Netherlands aren't quite at the same level. Uh, as France, they were always going to win and they were always going to win, and they win comfortably. also approached it differently. You know, the Netherlands sort of rested some of their first team players in order to give younger players a chance, whereas France like went all out, basically. That's right, yeah. So Netherlands um, eventually uh, did manage qualification on, on, on Saturday. They, 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 they beat the Republic of Ireland, I think it was, uh, yeah, 1-0, it was yeah. and, so, and, and so qualify. Um uh, which was about par for the course. France and Netherlands should have qualified. But but I think when you look at the full picture here, and look, it's a really emotional time now for all sort of football fans here on the rock. And some are calling for the coach's head. Another think he, he, you know, his, his time is not yet done here. I think it's always worth remembering that Gibraltar could hardly have drawn a tougher group yeah. in these qualifiers. Like a really, really, really tough group. Gibraltar were chucked into Let's that. just remind ourselves. France, Netherlands, Greece, Ireland. A high-flying Greece under Gus, Gus Poyer. They haven't been this good in, in years and years and years. And uh, What and was their score last night with France? one all. I don't know. You tell yeah, me. I think it was one all. So they're doing really well. The Republic of Ireland, okay, not quite as good as they used to be. But uh, again, just a really, really tough group uh, for Gibraltar. And now it's all sort of come to a head. It's reached its conclusion. There we have... Uh, Gibraltar at the bottom of the group, as expected, with a, a minus 41 goal difference. And people are yeah, sort of turning their noses up at it and thinking, I give it, why, don't we do, why didn't we do a bit more? So the question is, what were they expecting? What were they expecting, exactly. And we heard from a, a very emotional uh, captain, Roy Cipollina, last night. I thought it was a really powerful message, a really powerful interview. It was. Uh, he looked like phew, he was on the verge of tears, La Verdad. Um, it was really heartfelt and um, and and very passionate from from Roy Chipolina, who, as you say, was keen to remind us about the the importance of perspective. I mean, we have to, like I said, we've got, we understand who we're playing against. When you look at the results we've achieved, taking away the uh, the France score, I think we've had actually quite a successful campaign. I mean, like I said, I don't understand what the expectations are. Don't get me wrong. Um, we demand a lot from ourselves and we want to be better. Yes, we want to attack more, keep possession more, but it's not that we don't want to. It's that, unfortunately, at the moment, we're not good enough to do it. And it, it, it's all a process and it's a very slow process. You said it was an emotional interview. Um, to be honest, Robin, I was watching it last night uh, as, as just a fan, as a football Gibraltar football fan, um, you know, no way um, involved in, in the coverage of it. And it was riveting. 
you know, just on a basic level, I thought like, wow, this is this is a real interview. This isn't like a this isn't like a soundbite that he had prepared. This mm. was raw. Um, a, a raw response at the end of a campaign, which um, had had I think some of the comments. I mean, he he said it to to our team in um, in Faro ahead of the match. Now, some of the comments that he'd heard ahead of the match, questioning whether the players had given a hundred percent, had hurt him. Yeah, yeah, it got certainly got under under the the squad's skin. It it, it felt, and that's why. In this interview last night, it sort of it, it all came out, and you could just tell how much effort they'd put in and how much uh, it meant to him. But I suppose that's that's the beauty of of football. No, it's it's purely down down to opinion, and it's become hot debate now that we have come to the end of this of this uh, campaign. And on one hand, World Gibraltar pointless, goalless. They've not had a shot on target for five games now, which which makes for for, for damning reading, really. Uh, but then, on the other but hand, it, it, but it's, as your panel said last night, it's more than that. No, it's about whether um, the fans are getting something from the game. Yes. So you you might expect to lose um, against a, a footballing giant like Netherlands and France. But it's the manner. Uh, but 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 were there moments where um, fans got excited? Mm-hmm. Is there something that they can watch back and say, uh, wow, look at this, this was good. Um, I, I mean, for me, last night, you know, there was a little, there was a tacón from Joseph Schipolina, and a back heel, which was which was quite flary. There was a ball by Liam Walker over the top, um, which TJ brought down first touch. Impressively, there were a few bits which I'd say, like, that was that was class. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't an attack on goal, which which I mean, we're li- is what living you want, off scraps, no? uh, which you know, what you want. amongst the big boys, we really are living off scraps, and 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 I suppose it's to be expected. But look, of my two guests uh, last night, one of them, Benny Brinkman, and if you didn't watch the show, Benny Brinkman is a Dutch national adopted Janito, if you like. He was a professional footballer back in the sixties and seventies, I believe. He played with the likes of Ruud Gullit and Marco van Basten. He Amazing. knows his stuff. And he was saying, look, <clears throat> again, perspective, there is no other town, essentially a town of 30,000 people in the world, which has 11 professional football teams, a pool of 100 professional players. Nowhere else, nowhere else would you see that. But here we are with that at our disposal, limited resources to say the least, going up against giants like France and the Netherlands and some expecting us to to go and take them on you know what i mean it's mm. it's i mean it's it's i suppose the word would be unrealistic yeah. really um we also heard from head coach julio rivas who as always was full of pride with his players and in the face of a minus 41 goal difference put some of it down to injuries casi toda una defensa entera no le hemos tenido scott weisman se retiró luis estuvo lesionado eh, bernardo estuvo lesionado brito estuvo lesionado Ahí fíjate ya todos los componentes de la defensa, Torrilla, Valarino, Hartman, no pudimos contar, no pudimos contar nunca con todos. Y eso lógicamente que en, en un grupo más pequeño como el nuestro tiene, tiene mucha, mucha importancia, sobre todo eh, ha sido en la defensa donde han faltado muchos jugadores. There you go. No, of course, we have been unlucky with injuries. And nice to hear from Dutch captain Virgil van Dijk as well, who, after a pretty straightforward night in the Algarve, had some encouraging words for our very own TJ Debar. Yeah, it's lively. You know, he's kept running, and obviously it's, it's quite difficult for, for him to, um, you know, to, to try and make the most out of the, 
you know, the balls that he wins and um, he has to keep going and keep working. He was lively, TJ. Um, he didn't have that much to work with, but but he he, you know, he did pick up the ball at one point and run at the defence mm-hmm. and get a foul. He's get fearless. A, yeah, he's fearless. Get a yellow card from uh, from the trailing defender, um, and he did look like he was um, of our players uh, the one who was most likely to have that sort of flair, that spark to to get something uh, going. Uh, right, international football. Robin now takes a break. The Gibraltar squad getting back together in March for their nation league playoff uh, against. Cyprus, uh, what do you think will happen between now and then? Yeah, good question. I, I imagine we might try and squeeze in a, a friendly or two, so as to so as to sort of you know get into gear for for that huge huge playoff final. Uh, win, we stay in League C. Lose, we drop back down to to, to League D. Cyprus, heavy favourites once again. Mm. Uh, but that is what we have look, to look forward to. La verdad, honestly, as a fan, more than a, a presenter or, or anything here. I'm glad to draw draw a line under this. I think it's been a, a stressful couple of weeks, particularly after after the France game. I think we just as a collective here just need some time to sort of cool off a little bit and gather our, gather ourselves. All right, and uh, maybe think about what could change uh, as per the former uh, GFA captain Colin Ramirez on your program last night. Some freshness required, no? um, and uh, and very finally a quick mention for the under twenty ones who had an amazing result. Incredible, yeah. I mean, look, they won up against a, a France or a Netherlands. Uh, they were away to Moldova yesterday. Of course, spotlight firmly on the seniors, but they were going about their business in the background, if you like, and uh, pulled off the unlikeliest of of victories. So well done to uh, Captain Dylan Borge and the rest of them. The defence were solid as a rock, uh, if, you'll allow me, if you'll allow me to, 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 to use that Good one. one. Uh, and they won. They won two one. It was nerve wracking. It was desperate towards the end, but they but they pulled it off. We have been asking for feedback on the Gibraltar football match, and we've had uh, a few of you getting in touch. Uh, let's uh, let's go to Malcolm's uh, comment. Uh, he he called in, and uh, this is what Malcolm had to say about the football. About ten years ago, we uh, obtained permission to enter UEFA, and then a couple of years later to FIFA. I think that in itself is a great achievement for Gibraltar. The footballers of the GFA have always performed to their very best. My congratulations to all the footballing fraternity in Gibraltar, and let's hope that it is the youngsters that we nurture. Thank you, Malcolm, for getting in touch and emphasising the the you know how young we are in UEFA uh, in our UEFA membership, and also the need for young players to to be nurtured and to come through. There are some very exciting young players in the Gibraltar squad, and uh, and we need them to continue to uh, to grow. And uh, thank you to Albert, who got in touch and says he agrees wholeheartedly with Roy Cipollina. Uh, he says our boys gave one hundred percent against huge teams in. Re- recent months albert says demasiado and uh, and some people have very high expectations um, and perhaps unrealistic expectations of attacking against france and uh, and and you know having chances at goal and maybe that just isn't going to happen just yet for the gibraltar national squad uh, this one is from uh, john gonsalves uh, hello, it's John. I'm the president of the Basketball Association, and we likewise joined the European and the international world bodies some years ago. And of course, we have high expectations of the team. 
uh, I think the Nations League model is actually the best one for our team because to have to play against the likes of France, um, Spain, England, Italy and all that is ridiculous. We're talking about um, uh, giants and, and dwarfs with the greatest respect. I have the greatest respect for our players. Um, uh, Roy's interview last night really, really impacted on me. I'm a good friend of Julio and I think that all of them are doing a fantastic job and we should respect every single one of them because they give their all in every game. Thank you. Thank you, John. And thank you also to Adolfo, who had this to say. I don't think we ought to blame our players. What is wrong, I think, is the setup involved in qualifying. Who benefits from a situation where Gibraltar has to play probably the best team in the world? The French don't. Gibraltar doesn't. It doesn't improve the quality of our team. The experience is not a worthwhile one. And as I say, the situation uh, is wrong. It is UEFA and FIFA that are wrong, and they ought to review and change the qualifying uh, arrangements. Thank you, Adolfo Canepa, for your thoughts on uh, Gibraltar's Euro qualifiers. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Let's go to Parliament now because we've got the start of a new session and uh, is it intimidating for new MPs? How do new members of Parliament prepare uh, and what skills do they need? It's my pleasure to welcome now Government Minister Nigel Feetham. Uh, Good afternoon to you and can I ask you first off, how has life been as a minister for the first month? Yes, I mean, it's more than a month. I think we've been in office now for two months. I must say that the pace has been very fast moving. Uh, uh, much of that pace, Jonathan, has been dictated, in my case, by a number of policy priorities that I'm trying to push out on behalf of the government of Gibraltar. And therefore, I believe that if you set a very fast pace, then it dictates exactly the rest of the work that needs to be done in terms of implementation of our overall electoral program. That's the first point I would say. Secondly, as a minister, clearly you need to be briefed by your various departments. And although in my case, uh, my uh, my portfolio includes areas of, of work, financial services and gaming in particular, that I am very familiar, uh, familiar uh, on, uh, there are other aspects of my portfolio which are much wider, wider and there clearly a lot of time needs to be spent by ministers in making sure that you're properly briefed by your department. I've spent a lot of time equally in making a number of public appearances. I've spoken public in a number of events, including conferences. And I've also made it a point of reaching out to uh, employers and companies within my sectors, i.e. the financial sectors in Gibraltar, in order to sit down and articulate to them and explain what the policy priorities of my government are uh, and to talk about how in partnership we can both support businesses in Gibraltar, my area, but at the same time ensure that we prioritise those areas which are of importance to Gibraltar and the economy of Gibraltar. So six weeks, and, and it sounds like you've More than six crammed. Weeks, I believe. Six weeks. I, I think I've worked it out. Six I weeks. Think, I think. Okay, you you you, you probably uh, cram a lot into <laughs> six weeks. Was I had to double check it. You said right. two months, but it's six weeks and uh, six. It was. It, it will be. October. It will be six weeks tomorrow. In fact. Right. Okay. Um, but but you've you've crammed in two months of work 12, into six. Twelve mo- of October. Weeks, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, okay. So this afternoon is the first session of Parliament, which is uh, one of the primary responsibilities, of course, uh, of parliamentarians to to debate and and Indeed. write legislation. Yes. 
Um, do you as a lawyer have a, a particular advantage, perhaps, in that process? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I have an advantage. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that, but of course, having a legal background does help. In other words, the work that lawyers do is, or most lawyers, relates to advocacy, uh, and that is a skill which I think is very useful in a parliamentary setting. The fact that we are also lawyers will mean that we have legal training and legal experience which is relevant to matters pertaining to parliament, such as legislation. Um, but of course, uh, in, our, in our parliament, uh, certainly the composition of our parliament, there is wide experience uh, and, a, and a wide pool of skills that I think means that parliament is certainly representative as much as possible of the wider community in Gibraltar, not just lawyers. And uh, how do you go about doing that when you are so busy um, mm. in in your own sort of areas of responsibility, uh, justice, mm. uh, trade and industry? How do police. you make sure... Police, yeah, yeah. taxation. <laughs> Sorry, what was the other one? Taxation. Taxation. Post office. Yeah. Jib Telecom. So, so how do you handle all yes. of those responsibilities? Because as you say, you've got a large portfolio. And how do you make sure mm. that you've got time okay. to, for example stop and listen to somebody who you cross on Main Street. Okay, so let me let me say that apart from doing everything that you've said that I need to do, a large part of the time over the last six weeks, and thank you for, for that, the last six weeks has also meant meeting people. In other words, my constituency work is an important work that I do as an MP. And people reach out to me and they ask for meetings in areas that unfortunately are not my portfolio. And whilst Perhaps where, it, where there is a clear-cut divide, I might suggest that the time is better spent if they meet a ministerial colleague. And, and at the very least, I can introduce individuals that have stopped me down Main Street. In fact, I had a lady today that stopped me Main Street. She stopped me on a number of occasions before, uh, and we've arranged her meetings for her with the relevant minister. There are other areas that perhaps are not necessarily clear-cut or where the individual will say to you, can I meet you, minister, but I would rather not discuss it on the phone or on WhatsApp, or on Messenger, which is absolutely fine. Uh, I've had many of those requests, and I've made it a point as well, in addition to all my ministerial responsibilities, to meeting people. How do I do that? Well, I think I do that, Jonathan, because I put a lot of hours in. And, and certainly during the election campaign, I did say that I work extremely hard. I work very, very hard. If I'm not working, I'm bored, and I'd rather not be bored. So I can cram in more work than ordinarily would be the case for other individuals, if anything, because I love my work, I love what I do, and I work very hard. Talk us through a typical working day for uh, yes. Nigel Feetham as a yeah. government minister. Yes, a typical working day is one where my diary is set in advance. And whilst I try to keep some time free uh, uh, between meetings, uh, I must say over the last six weeks, I have not been successful necessarily in doing that. And perhaps my biggest... Uh, um, it's not a concern, but my, my biggest challenge, I think, being a minister versus what I was doing before in private practice is that I spend less time in what I would call thinking time. I am a thinker Clever. by nature. I've also been an academic. I love thinking and I've spent a lot of time thinking. People that see me, for example, walking through the streets um, um, prior to the election campaign will attest to the fact that when I walk, I think and I talk. I've hardly done that. So what I miss most is that ability to take time out to just simply think. My typical day, like today, started at 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock meeting, another meeting at 10, another meeting at 11, another meeting at 12, and then uh, I had to stop uh, the meeting short because I needed to make sure that I actually came 
I'm very grateful for that. So I had to cut it short, and and here I am. Uh, That is my typical morning. In the afternoon, I try to set at least half an hour where I can just take a step back, breathe, uh, and see, um, you know, what is it that I need to learn from the meetings that I've had uh, in the morning. So if I can start at 3 o'clock, that's a good starting point for me because at least I have at least an hour's break uh, uh, where I can um, just take do a bit of, of where, that important take, thinking. Take, take, no? a stock, take stock of where I am. You rely on briefings that are given to you, and I must say, I am I am really impressed with the quality of the briefings that I've had. Some briefings uh, in areas where I work in means means that less time needs to be put into doing that. I mean, on financial services and gaming, even though I'm an expert in those areas, there are still areas of government policy and although this is uh, a government that has been re-elected it's not a new government clearly there are historical decisions that have been taken by my predecessor which means that i need to bring myself up to speed with the decisions if not with a legal position okay and you are also uh, responsible you have a, a constituency responsibilities for glasses estate laguna yes. ocean village and bayside Correct. how do you this is a new sort of yes. thing for for the gibraltar government how do you foresee that playing out um, what i'm basically doing there and i've already had engagement from constituents uh, particularly in la laguna where um, constituents raised with me certain issues on social media uh, and I raised it within the cabinet and, and uh, Minister Cortes was very quick to come in and support uh, those constituents in relation to matters that clearly related to his ministry. We are a collegiate government. We work very closely with one another. One of the things that I am therefore doing at present that I haven't yet done is set a date in the diary in order to meet those constituencies on the ground, i.e. in Laguna Glasses uh, and uh, Bayside. Uh, that is happening. I've asked for a list of issues that might be relevant to the local uh, association and the local tenants that we need to discuss with them when we sit down with them. That work is taking place so that essentially when I go to visit them, at least I will be fully briefed and it will be in the interest of everyone to try to get things done as quickly as possible. I am a minister that will work will usually work at 150 miles an hour. That is in my nature. That is what I do. Uh, and therefore, uh, although people can't necessarily keep up with the pace that I set, at least if we can move as quickly as possible, it will be in the interest of, of everyone. And and when you look at all of your uh, promises to the people of Gibraltar as the GSLP Liberals, um, you know, a fairly comprehensive manifesto, yes. uh, how do you go about, I mean, is, have you got like a spreadsheet somewhere yes, that you're going to try and address? There is a spreadsheet and, and certainly uh, the Deputy Chief Minister, Dr Garcia, is sitting down with all ministers going through each of the policy commitments that relate to their ministries. Let me tell you, that those that relate to mine, many of them are very advanced by their nature. They are areas that relate to my expertise and experience. For example, discussions around having a non-UK captive regime. I'm expecting a first draft of that legislation by the end of this month. It's not a perfect draft. I'm not expecting a perfect draft. But what what I'm asking for is at least a framework that allows me to sit down and redevelop whatever's being proposed by the regulators so that I can engage with stakeholders. I'm moving very fast as well on the uh, solution for elderly citizens, the insurance solution. That is more sensitive. 
that requires a lot of time and effort. That, I'm putting that's a lot for of, travel to Spain. Correct. No? I'm putting a lot of time and effort in relation to that. I've had very numerous meetings with the, with the tax office. One of my ministerial portfolios relates to taxation. In fact, taxation was a matter which the chief minister assumed responsibility for, Fabian as chief minister previously, and Peter Caruana, when Peter Caruana was the chief minister of Gibraltar. I have assumed responsibility for that. I have had one or two meetings a week with the Commissioner of Income Tax. I'm delighted by the level of engagement. Uh, I have approved the resourcing in the Income Tax Office of two seconded senior professionals that will help and support the tax office in the areas that we feel are important for the government in terms of raising corporate taxation from large businesses, not from individuals such as yourself or myself. That is critical to our policy priority of not just growing the economy, but ensuring that the proper amount of tax is paid in Gibraltar in order to allow us to deliver on the very manifesto commitments that you've obviously highlighted we need to work on. And in short, you're confident that that is possible without putting off those large organisations? It it, it is possible because in some cases, let me give you an example, Jonathan, if if I can. In some cases, it's not a question that that, that the correct amount of tax is not being paid other than because other tax authorities in other jurisdictions are competing for the same revenue within the group. So therefore, what I need to ensure is that the tax office in Gibraltar has a seat in the table so that when we discuss and negotiate exactly what level of revenue ought to be taxed in Gibraltar, that our voice is heard loud and clear. Sometimes it's as innocuous as perhaps a finance director taking the view that certain profits should be booked in the UK, regardless of the fact that the tax rates in the UK are significantly larger than in Gibraltar, if for no other reason that the tax authorities in the United Kingdom are far more proactive and challenging than Gibraltar. All right. So I need to make sure that we are represented in those discussions on the table. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Is Parliament a... Uh, an intimidating place for uh, a new MP with no experience of it. Uh, a question for uh, Atrish Sanchez, who joins us now, uh, opposition MP and uh, shadow minister. Uh, good afternoon, Miss Sanchez. Um, how are you feeling about Parliament, which is, of course, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have any experience of sitting in it. Uh, <laughs> is it intimidating? Good afternoon, Jonathan. Um, well, I would be lying if I said that I wasn't slightly nervous. Um, I mean, who wouldn't be? It's a completely new experience. Um, so it is uh, slightly intimidating. But um, I'd also say that I am extremely excited and also very eager. Okay. And uh, and, and talk us through uh, the past few weeks for you. Uh, you know, nail-biting election. You got into Parliament. Um, talk, talk us through it. Well, it was a, a nail-biting election, very intense campaign. Um, but if I could um, describe feeling um, throughout the whole journey, um, and I have said it before and I, and I keep repeating it because I genuinely um, mean it, it's a, a feeling of appreciation um, and a feeling of being completely honoured and humbled um, by the opportunity that has been given to me by the, the people of Gibraltar. Um, and really, I'm really looking forward to to discharge my my responsibilities and my, my duties to to the people. 
And um, the, a couple of reasons why I thought, uh, or I thought relevant to, to ask you about. I mean, number one, that, you know, it's sort of first and foremost, Parliament is about debating and writing legislation, laws. Uh, and uh, and we've heard in the past that uh, to a certain extent, uh, our, our Parliament is dominated or ha- certainly has a healthy presence of lawyers uh, for whom, um, you know, legislation might be uh, more familiar than for somebody who's uh, not trained in the way of law. Um, is is that sort of a concern for you? Well, evidently, I'm aware that I'm not a lawyer and I'm also aware that I do not speak in the same way that, that lawyers um, speak. But I believe that um, I understand the the issues that are felt and experienced by a certain sector of the community Um in more closely um, on a different way than perhaps a lawyer or people of a certain social elite might experience them. And I also firmly believe that um, Parliament should have broad and diverse representation, which is again why I am so honoured and humbled and grateful for the opportunity that I've been given to um, give um, the sector of the community the representation that it deserves in Parliament. So I do not necessarily believe, and genuinely I do not believe that Parliament is only a place for lawyers. And I I believe that people like myself deserve and should have a place in Parliament. So you you sort of have been debating issues for a number of months and, and I'm sure are familiar with the arguments that the, the GSD has presented in your areas of responsibility, um, care and opportunity, which includes um, elderly residential services, the care agency, social services, drugs, the elderly, families, social security, special needs and disabilities. And I imagine the last two are, are, are in particular your, your sort of areas of strength, um, given your, your background as a campaigner. Um, but how do you... Uh, approach uh, sort of the the rules uh, of Parliament. Do you have to? Have you had to sort of pick up Erskine May and and try to sort of you know come up to speed on on, on that? Thank you. Well, obviously we have the the benefit of. Oh, thank you, Naomi, thank you for um, coming in and adjusting our, our microphone. <laughs> Obviously, we have the benefit of all the guidance notes and, and all the information that is, and all the rules that are available for us to, to, to take note of. And evidently, we have the support of very helpful, experienced MPs, um, former MPs that are always there to support us, and a very um, supportive executive of people and um, it is a very supportive team that we have behind us who are always there to to guide us and you know support the the less experienced um, new MPs um, obviously it's a learning curve um, but look every MP was once a new MP Novato. and and Novata. <laughs> everybody starts somewhere so um, I believe that it's it's finding our feet and I think we will quickly do that and there are quite a few of us in in this same situation so I I, I suspect that I'm not the only one that is experiencing this these nerves um, absolutely no I'm sure um, so 17 um, members of Parliament um, a- a- among them now four women. Uh, which is obviously still a minority, uh, but it's up from two women in the last parliament. Uh, does this 
factor into your apprehension at all um, uh, about this new environment for you? Do you think that's going to be a factor? Oh, I think it's a it's a positive step in the right direction. The fact that we have managed to increase the representation of women in Parliament. I think more work needs to be done. I think it's a very positive step that we have our first female speaker. Um, but as I said, I think that it's very important for me not only to um, increase our uh, female representation in Parliament, but to make Parliament more broad and diverse in other areas and representations um, in Parliament, which includes um, working class sensibilities, um, people from other um, working backgrounds um, to expand um, our representations in Parliament and obviously to make Parliament a place where um, parliamentarians are more in tune with the daily struggles and the lives of um, the people that they're representing. Okay, and um, uh, how have the last weeks been for you in terms of, uh, you know, the, the election being difficult? H- have you um, uh, have you put that behind you? Was there a certain amount of sort of recovery? Because uh, I imagine that you, you sort of went flat out or have you, you know, did you pause and, and reflect or, or did you sort of just hit the ground running and start meeting, um, I don't know, organisations, um, people who had their own sort of concerns in your area of responsibility? But to be honest, I think I took a couple of days only to to, to pause um, and relax because it was a very intense campaign. But after that, it was just hitting the ground running and, and meeting people. Um, and it, it is quite... It's been quite busy, to be honest, meeting a lot of people, um, getting on with the clinics, meeting a lot of associations and just speaking to people, helping people, um, supporting them the best I can and obviously asking the questions that matter to the people that talk to me um, because that is what it's about at the end of the day. Claro. Um, what, what are you hoping to achieve when you look at um, your responsibilities in care and opportunity? What are your priorities and, and what are you hoping to achieve? Well, the main priorities for the opposition is to hold the government to account. And as I said, I, I need to ensure that I ask the questions that matter to the people that speak to me in relation to all the areas that, that are in my portfolio. Um, so that is... That is what I've, I'm working on. That is what I've been actively working on. And I have to say that um, it is something that, that I had been doing before. Um, I had been elected as an MP because, um, you know, meeting people, speaking to people um, was something that I used to do whilst I was on the executive. And now even more so and broadening the area of, of obviously my responsibility to more than just disability and, and special needs. And finally, Ms. Sanchez, um, there's a GSD um, leadership uh, contest uh, on the horizon. Como suspected ta- that you were going to ask. Nothing to sort of, you know, I just, I just want to know como tal ambiente in the party. Well, the, the nature of, of a leadership election um, evidently is, is this divisive by nature. Um, but I think that... that you know, the party is managing to, to keep it together and I think the atmosphere is a good one. I think, um, you know, it is a democratic process and all democratic processes are good and are needed and I hope that um, 
I, I personally wish the best of luck to both candidates because I know them well and they're both good friends of mine. And I hope at the end of it, the party emerges with a strong leader, with a strong mandate and a unified party at the end of it. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. The countdown to the GBC Open Day is on. Uh, exciting stuff. Just 22 days left uh, for Thursday, the 14th of December. Uh, again, our community will come together to raise money for a number of local charities and we'll have fun doing it as well. And um, it's a real privilege to say that we have a car to raffle once again, thanks to AMC Credit Limited, they've donated a blue Mitsubishi. It's a Space Star Kaiteki, and already over 600 tickets have been sold at the Piazza. We just started this morning, but um, but those tickets are flying, which is great. A really solid start to our fundraising. Uh, everyone uh, that I've spoken to about it so far thinks it's an attractive car, but you don't need to take my word for it. You can have a look for yourself at the Piazza, or if you're not in town today, because uh, we will be there for a few more hours, uh, stop by if you can. But if you can't, check our social media pages and you'll be able to see that car for yourselves. And it could be yours for the price of a raffle ticket. On The Breakfast Show this morning, Stefan and Kelly uh, were speaking to the AMC Credit Business Manager, Marta Capurro, about the specs. It's a beautiful blue. And and then the actual car itself, it has a variety of different specifications. So we've got digital display, Bluetooth, USB port, cruise control, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, <laughs> and Hill Start Assist, etc. Automatic start and stop system. There's a variety of things. It's a very small car. It's like small, but at the same time, it's spacious like... Spacious in size. Exactly. So it's great. It's for gym. You can kind of park anywhere. But see, it's so important to us, like not obviously just me and AMC Credit, but the entire Caputo group. It's so important for us and especially like for you guys as well, for giving companies the opportunity to chime in, try and do their mm-hmm. part. Or in there, like, I think a lot of people are kind of distanced from each other. There's a lot of things mm. going on. So this opportunity for so many people, not only the GBC, but all different companies and as well individuals just walking on the street, they know there's like one goal. You know what I mean? And they're looking they're mm-hmm. looking forward to the GBC Open Day, seeing how much is donated, how much is going to charity, and everyone feels in that moment like we're all together and then it's Christmas. Definitely. So it's a fantastic yeah. ending to the year, no? Mm-hmm. So I'm really, really excited. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.